Psalm 42, part 2. So if you have your Bibles or you're not open there, give you a second to get there. As we said last time, this psalm is dealing with depression, discouragement. Depression is a very serious thing, a very real thing. It needs to be handled professionally. It needs to be handled biblically. The world in which we live in is full of depressed people, discouraged people. As a matter of fact, the Office for National Statistics, the ONS, found that the number one cause of death in millennials is suicide due to depression. They found that women of the age 20 to 34 who died, 14.9% of them inflicted harm upon themselves. It's even a greater figure among men, which was around 23.7% of all deaths of millennial men was self-inflicted. The article that they presented on this says that millennial health is well known to be particularly poor with many young adults suffering from depression, anxiety, and suicidal thoughts. According to the research published by the American Psychological Association, a key reason for the mental instability is the plague of perfectionism. Entering into the increasingly competitive job market, young adults hold themselves to incredibly high standards. Working late nights and weekends, trying to make a good impression. Problems only worsen with the toxic influence of social media that has become part of the daily lives of people. With post after post of flawless bodies, idyllic holidays, and extravagant celebrity lifestyles, it's not hard to feel inadequate. Scrolling through Instagram, the article says. Social media fuels disillusionment, dissatisfaction with our lives. Sadly, when the pressure to excel at work and lead a perfect picture, a picture-perfect life in between becomes too much, some millennials see suicide as the only way out. What a world we live in. People all around us, discouraged. This psalm was one that deals with it. And as I mentioned last time, we were in Psalms, which is two weeks or two Wednesdays ago, in 1965, which was before I was born, by the way, uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, the pastor of Westminster Chapel in London, published a book called Spiritual Depression, Its Causes and Its Cure. And I would greatly recommend that book, not just if you're feeling depressed or discouraged, but I, I would say if you read books or if you don't read books, it would be a good read for this day and age in which we live. There's not one of us in this room who has not or may even does not have some type of heavy discouragement upon their lives upon this point right now, at this very moment even. In that book, it's a very good book. He uses this very psalm to, to jump into the subject matter of depression and discouragement. He uses other psalms and other scripture and a very good address and actually has a study guide that goes with it I would recommend it we're all affected by discouragement and moments of depression and I believe that many if not most churches are full of discouraged people and even depressed people 
Many good people are, are looking at the godless, evil times in that we live in. And they're thinking back to times that were better, which wasn't that long ago. And they find themselves living in this age where evil's called good and good's called evil. And people in churches all around our country, they look at the mess that is this country and they're saying, what's the point in trying anymore? As we look to the Word of God together tonight, my hope and my prayer is that we're all encouraged and that we're all moved farther away from that point of giving up. And as we prayerfully look at the Word of God together, the prayer is that we'll be discouraged or encouraged to stay in the fight for truth. And maybe some of us will get in the fight for the very first time, begin to apply themselves, get up out of our discouragement or out of our depression and be motivated by the Holy Spirit to join the cause for the first time. But hopefully, as we study this great psalm, these two great psalms, actually, all of us will be encouraged because we see God and because we know Him better. So if you would, look at Psalm 42. Let's read a good portion of that psalm together. Let's just read the whole thing together. Psalm 42, to the chief musician, Mastril, for the sons of Korah. As the heart panneth after the water brook, so panneth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of of joy and praise with the multitude and kept the holy day. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites from the hill Mazar. Deep Calleth into deep at the noise of thy water spouts, all thy waves, thy billows are gone over me. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and in the night, his song shall be with me. And my prayer unto God of my life, I will say unto God, my rock, Why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a sword in my bones, my enemies reproach me, while they say daily unto me, Again, where is thy God? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Let's pray. Father God, we desperately, with all that we are, seek you. And to know you more. Our prayer is that you would quieten our minds and our hearts. Remove the noise. The grief. The pain. The worry. The fret. Of these days in which we live. 
take away the busyness that we might meet solely with you in our minds and in our hearts. My prayer is the Holy Spirit would move on us in such a way, change us in such a way that we leave here being changed, to be more like you, being changed, that others would recognize being changed, to have the peace of God that passes understanding, to be able to stand boldly and confidently in a world that is spiraling out of control faster each day. Our prayer is to glorify you, not with just words, but with the very heart of everyone who's gathered in this place. May you receive all honor, all glory. You alone, alone are worthy of it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look at these next two psalms, as we started a few weeks ago, we noticed as we read through Psalm 42 that we see a declaration of depression, of discouragement, but we also see the cure and the cause of that. And last time we were together, we saw that the psalmist was declaring his longing for God and proclaiming his feeling of being absent from God. Not that God could go anywhere, but that there's a drifting that comes when we neglect the things of God ourselves. Drifting from the truth of who God is, drifting from his scriptures, drifting from gathering together, there's a drifting and a separation or a feeling of separation. And the truth we said from that is that there's many sick Christians today due to their lack of prayer, lack of church attendance, and neglect of the word of God. We also discovered last time that with a proper view of God, that we will be able to answer those who say, where is your God? For many today have no idea and cannot give a defense for why they trust in God. And we're commanded to be able to give reason for the hope that's within us. We pick up tonight our study in in verse 4. Read it with me again as we read. It says, when I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God. With a voice of joy and praise and with a multitude that kept the holy day. What we see here is the psalmist is dwelling on the memories of the good old days. And it's causing him to be depressed. Many of us can relate to that. We all have a tendency to look back at the the glory days, the, the... Good old days, we would call them. Some people and some couples who are empty nesters look back to when the children were at home and there was noise in the house. Some of us think of younger days when we felt better, when we had more energy or when we didn't hurt as bad as we do now. We think about the good old days. Others think of days when loved ones who passed away were still with them. But the one thing that we all can relate to is we can remember the days when these pews were filled with so many more people. And we gathered together, as the psalmist said, with the multitude. We remember days when we served alongside many that have not come back. And some, 
like Wayne, have graduated into heaven. There's still many of them that are still on this earth who choose to be somewhere else. The point is that there's nothing wrong with remembering the good old days and the past blessings of God, but we're not to live in the past. We are to live our lives in the time and live our lives in the situation in which the sovereign God of all things has placed us in today. We're not here by accident. We're, we are here for this time according to the will of God. And we must not linger on memories of the way that it was. And we must be about our business in the way that it is right now. And find how to glorify Him where we are now. We can't let our memories of better times cause us to give up or get discouraged or be depressed. Spurgeon said this, he said, There's a proper use of memory in times when we are depressed, remembering God's past acts as encouragement to believe that God will act for us again. Moving forward, we must remember that God is sovereign and that God will never act outside of his character or outside of his word. It brings the question of how do we know the character of God? How do we know that he will? How do we have peace and understanding? We don't get that from experience. We don't get that from feeling, but through the truth of the word of God. And if, we're in the gap, if we are to navigate the waters ahead of us, the unknown waters that we see in front of us, which are much different than what's in our past, as a church, as individuals, if we're to, na- to navigate those together, if we're to go through those and not sit in the corner depressed and discouraged and afraid, we must know God. <laughs> and we must know Him properly. We must understand who He is and what He requires of us. We must know Him properly. And if we're going to look back and remember something, we must remember God. And we also should remember that God is sovereign and that nothing ever happens, ever, outside of God. If you look at your situation, you feel like you're here by mistake, you have the wrong view of God. If you feel like somehow you've fallen through the cracks somehow, and now you're in a mess and you're forgotten by God, you've got the wrong view of God. If you think it's all by accident that you're where you are now in your life, it, you have the wrong view of God. Acts 17, 28, we've read it often in our ministries from this pulpit. It declares that in Him we live and move and have our being in God. As certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also His offspring. It's just saying we live and move and exist. That is, in Him we actually have our being inside of God. The idea given is that nothing happens outside of God. Nothing. Whether it's bad or good, absolutely nothing Stan quoted R.C. Sproul in that famous statement, there are no maverick molecules. There's nothing outside of God that happens. For if it did happen outside of God, then God would not be God. If we are to remember something, instead of remembering the good old days and concentrating on them, they were good and they're, they're good for encouragement, but to dwell on them, if we're to dwell on something, we should think of God. 
the sovereign God. And we read of his sovereignty all through, all through Scripture. Proverbs 16, 9 says, A man's heart devises his way, but the Lord directs his steps. The mind of a person may plan his way, but the Lord is the one that directs our steps, takes us where we're going and where we are, brought us to this very place where we are now in our lives. And it is God who has directed our steps to bring us here. And we are to serve him while we're here. For such a time as this. We see a very more detailed description of this. In Isaiah 46. If you want to turn there for just a second. I'd like to turn to the prophet as we remember. We're talking about remembering. And how that can drag us down. Isaiah 46, we're going to be looking at beginning of reading in verse 8. We're just going to read about four verses. But we're going to spend a little time there as we work through this psalm. I think they work together to good in this subject of remembering and what occupies our mind. We've often heard the mind is a battlefield. It is what goes on inside here that directs us. And so often in scriptures we're told to direct our thoughts, direct our minds. No different here in Isaiah 46 and verse 8 when it says, Remember this and show yourselves, men. Bring it again to mind. Two times told to remember, O ye transgressors. Verse 9, Remember the former things of old, for I am God. This is the first thing to remember. And there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. Verse 9, declaring, or verse 10, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executed my counsel from a far country, yea, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. He says, Remember, 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 I am God. There is no other God. There is none like me. Not even close, he's saying. And then in verse 10, remember that the one true God is sovereign over all things. He says it and it comes to pass. He declared from ancient times, from before the world began, he declared what would happen in this world. We have to remember if we're to have this peace, if we're to be who we're called to be, that God is sovereign and not surprised about anything that happens. He is not surprised by COVID. He's not surprised by the number of people who are affected by it. He is not surprised by the number of people who die from it. Not saying he's not affected, but he's not surprised by it. He was not surprised when they blew, the, took the twin towers down, crashing planes in 9-11, which is coming up. Nothing has ever happened that surprised God. Nothing has ever happened that was out of his control. We often say that and we proclaim that with our mouths that God is in control. And while we confess it with our mouths, our hearts fail us in this area quite often. And if we're to remember God, we need to remember God, a God who's in control, a proper picture of who God is. But we have such a hard time believing 
that God is in control when we look around and see all the bad things that are happening in the world. We have a hard time believing that all those things go through God's hand and that they're working for good. Proverbs 19.21 says of us that many plans are in a man's heart, but the purpose of the Lord will prevail. In other words, just because we cannot see the good in the things that happen, and just because we feel like things should work differently than they do, it does not make us right and God wrong. God is in control of all things, and God is working all things out for good. Romans 8.28 is either true or it's not. You must choose whether you believe that or not. The Word of God in its entirety is either true or it's not. And it's time for the church of God and the people of God to quit picking and choosing what we believe if we're to have a peace and to function in what is ahead of us in these days. We must have confidence. And we must have confidence in the truth of God, which is in the Word of God. Or else we'll cower down in discouragement and depression. The God of the Bible is not surprised by the world events. He's not struggling to keep things going. He knows your problems and mine. He knows your pains and mine. He knows your struggles, your sickness. God has purposed, as we read in that scripture, and he has planned from ancient times. That ancient times is before anything was created. And whatever he has purposed and whatever he has planned, it will come to pass. That is a confidence that we can have if we know God. Jonathan Edwards said this, Divine sovereignty plus our pain equals the fresh tenderness of submission and trust. He goes on and says, God's sovereignty, given God's love and beauty, he makes up a word here, it gentilizes us. He went on to speak of how it calms us. It gives us a peace as it gentilizes us. It calms our fretting. It calms our worrying to know that God is really in control of all things. Many people have created a picture in their minds that's not real. But they think of two equal forces that exist in the universe. On one side they have the good, which is God. And in our minds we have on the other side the other power that is equal, which is bad, which is evil, and the devil. And in our minds we have this picture that these two equal forces are warring against each other somehow and this cosmic battle is going on. And we're somewhere in between there, tossed about because we're in the middle of it. These are views that need to be repented of. They're heretical because God is in control of all things. All principalities, all powers, all created things are under His control and subject to Him. The problem is we have a hard time believing that He's in charge of bad things. When He created all this stuff, it was good. Sin entered the world and it all went bad. All part of God's plan. All working out for good. In error, we've created a picture of God that is wrong. 
And it stained our hearts in such a way that we think of God in ways that we shouldn't. And we need to repent of those. We must state with our mouths and our hearts alike that our God, the one true God, the God of the Bible, is sovereign over all things, even an ungodly regime in the White House, and ungodly senators and ungodly godly congressmen who pass laws that are contrary to the Word of God. The ungodly people who persecute Christians in other countries, all that goes on in this world that's much more evil in other countries than it is here, God's in control of all of that. If we don't get that nailed down, we will remember the good times and hold on to those and become depressed because they're not good anymore and wonder how to function where we are now because we don't remember God or the truth about God. God declares of himself in Isaiah 45, verse 7. He says this. We have a hard time believing this, but he declares of himself that God is in charge of the bad stuff as well. Isaiah 45, 7 says, I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all things. As a child of God, we're to live with confidence in a world that is spinning out of control. We're to be different than the world, not worrying and fretting, not declaring our self-righteousness, not holding ourselves up on some type of pedestal, thinking, look at us, look at us, but declaring the truth of God, that He is in control, and living our lives with the confidence of such an idea. What we think of God is by far the most important thing about us, as A.W. Tozer said. And if God is in control, then we have that confidence to know and to live in these days in which we live. If our hearts are filled with confidence, then it leaves no room for discouragement and depression. We look around at all the stuff that's going on. We think of the riots we've went through. We think of government policies that are pending, that will come against Christians, come against churches. We think of all the things, and there could be worry and fret. And if those people are in control, then we have something to fear of, if they're truly in control. But if God's in control, we have confidence and boldness that God is taking us through this for purpose and for reason, because he purposed it. We look at the sickness of COVID and we panic. Feeling like maybe this disease has more control, more power than God. And it does not. God is in control. If you feel that COVID's in control, you are wrong. God is in control, even of COVID. And if God is in control, we have the boldness to face tomorrow. If government's in control, we have something to fear. If COVID's in control, but if God is in control, he's brought us to live in the age in which we're alive, to this point where we are, for such a time as this. Not by accident. He purposed it 
for us to be here. Not to hovel in a corner and be depressed. Not with our thoughts toward the good old days, wondering why we can't go back there. Wishing and, and wasting our time. But remembering who God is and who He declared Himself to be in Scripture. And living our lives accordingly. The prophets of old told us so much about God. Isaiah, again, in chapter 14, verse 27, says, For the Lord of hosts hath purposed, who shall disannul it? His hand is stretched out, who shall turn it back? It's simply saying God is in control of all things. No one can change that. Not even for a millisecond. Not even for a moment. Not even for a twinkling of an eye. God is in control of all things. And we must understand, He is either in control or He's not. And for believers, we must live in a way that we understand, if we're to be true to the Word of God, that He is the one who is in control of those things. Think of one thing. One thing that can or has or will ever happen that is outside of God's control. One thing. You don't have to say it. If you want to, you can say it. You may not hear it, but think of it. Anything. The answer is there's nothing that's ever happened. Nothing that's ever going to happen that's outside of God. And if we know God and we sung the song, God is so good, that is truth. And if all things happen according to his plan and God is good, then we have confidence. Many people get caught up with wrong thoughts of better times in the past because we forget that God's sovereign. We think that somehow we've done something wrong to be where we are as people that he brought us to this point. This is where God brought us for such a time as this. We are blessed to be alive in this age, to be declaring in what is called the last days, and it's been the last days since Jesus ascended into heaven. We're closer to the last day than we ever have been. We are blessed to be here. We live amongst the people who do not know God. The fields are white with harvest. We, are, we have open doors still in our country to proclaim the gospel. To point others to this great God that we serve. If we're depressed and caught up in what the good old days used to be. And we try to tell people, yeah, that's the way it used to be. And someday you may get there again. They're not wanna, they don't want to come to that God. That's not a picture of God. We present a God to them who's sovereign over all things, even salvation. And declare to them that God is sovereign. That's why worry and fretting and doubting actually is sin. Because if we know God, the fretting and the worrying, it goes away. Because we know God is in control. It's when we forget that He's in control that we struggle with fretting and worry, which can lead to depression and discouragement. 
I have not arrived in this area. I'm merely preaching to myself. If we're to dwell on the things and remember things, we should dwell on God and the character of God from the truth of God's word. Turn to Philippians chapter 4 if you would. What time flies on Wednesday nights? I've never seen such. What occupies your mind? Another sermon for another time. Get a 3,000 foot view of this. Most of us spent the day, if we're honest, dwelling on COVID. People we know who are struggling with COVID. What our crazy president and the government's going to do next? What, who's going to shoot up what school? All the worries. If we really were truthful, the things that occupied our mind today were about as far away from the character of God as it could be. Some of you maybe have arrived and are there, but I can tell you that's not where I was. I, I was when I was studying for the sermon, but up to that point, it was the, oh my goodness, what's going on? The truth of the Word of God says in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, you know it, to be careful for nothing but everything in prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That is, if you know God. Verse 8 continues. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things of good report, and if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have learned from the scriptures and have received and heard and seen in me, do. And the God of peace shall be with you. Verse 8 gives us a list of things to think of. You know what those things are? Most of us say a bunch of good things and that would be true. Honest, just, pure, lovely, good, report, full of virtue, worthy of praise. It's the character of God. <laughs> to think on anything we think of, to think of God, the true picture of who God is, the sovereign God of the universe. To have the peace of God that will be with us. People are looking for peace in these days. Christians in churches are looking for the peace of God. It comes from knowing God. And dwelling upon the character of God. Presented in the truth of God. Not from experience. Not from glitter from the ceiling. Not from some rock star preacher. Not from some blaring music that causes the hair to stand up on the back of your head. Meeting with God. The one true God. And to know him. It's when our thoughts of God are consistent with the truth of God that our situations change our perspective changes and we will have the peace that comes from God who is in control we can't explain 
nor are we supposed to be able to explain all that God does or why he does. It's where faith and trust are applied. But if we know God, we have trust in God because we know him. The problem with us is that we don't know enough of this which presents him to us. We struggle with what's the use with going on? Why should I even pray? I don't even know where to go anymore, what to do anymore, because the world's just upside down and sideways. Why go to church? What's the use? Why share the gospel? What's the use? But if we know God, God is still on the throne. He's not been dethroned. The plan has not changed, nor has it been changed. And the plan was to bring us here for such a time as this. We are alive in this age for a purpose. God purposed it. And to sit around and remember the good old days and to dwell upon them and not live for the days in which God prepared before us is to neglect the blessings of God. Let's pray. Father God, we 